the heart of our Father. So, last week, does anybody remember the title of the message last week? What was it? How to Avoid Stinking Thinking. Pretty catchy topic, wasn't it? Don't you think? So, does anybody remember? You know, I kind of did like a... Uh, an introductory statement like a little clip at the beginning and you could have probably just ended it there and had the invitation but anybody remember that little introductory statement I tell you, it was a joke remember it was a story that preachers tell I mean it's old it's been around a long time remember anybody remember that nip it in the bud Nip it in the bud. Remember the little boy on the back row? The preacher says, what shall we do with sin? What shall we do with sin? What shall we do with sin? The little boy felt sorry for the preacher, and he just said, he stood up in the back and said, nip it in the bud. So that's, I mean, that's one of the keys that we talked about, about avoiding stinking thinking. Nip it in the bud. The minute that thought starts slipping in, that fiery dart comes your way, you really need to deal with it right away. And did anybody have an opportunity to do any of that this week? I mean, I did. I did. I, I had an opportunity to, you know, nip several thoughts in the bud. So let me do something very similar today that could be like just a little snippet at the beginning before we actually get going. Number one, I, I, as I've said, I've had the opportunity to sit uh, on the front row and listen to other preachers for the last several years, off and on when I'm not preaching. And, and, I, and I begin to feel your pain. You know what I'm saying? I mean, when I would hear something and I would say, oh, I, I wonder if that's going to offend them. So I want to say from the beginning, please don't anybody get offended by what I'm about to say. I mean, I feel like I need to say certain things, but I don't want to be restricted because I, I'm concerned that you might get offended. And so, I mean, if I was a, a just a, a preacher coming through, I would just preach and I don't know you or your situation, but see, when you've been here and you've been with people, you know, you almost know too much. Do you know what I'm saying? So I'm just saying, I love you or I wouldn't still be here. I love you. And I'm not out to offend. I did have a guy one time in the other building. He came up to me and he said, when you preach today, you were mad. I said, yeah, I'm mad at sin. I'm, I get angry at sin. He said, you were just mad today in the pulpit. I just tell you were mad. So I just hope that we, you know, just at the beginning here, if I say something, I'm not singling out individuals, but I'm talking as an overall general pastor that's been in the ministry next month, 48 years. So a lot dealing with a lot of different people. So don't get offended. All right, number one, the little first little snippet is about getting to know the heart of God or learning the heart of God 
is that every classroom that he allows us to enter into, every classroom that he allows us to enter into is a place that we should be able to learn trust and total dependence on our Father, on him. Every single one. I can tell you across the board, it doesn't matter where you are, what you're going through, or what I'm going through, the heart of our Father is that we will come to the place that whatever classroom we're in, we will learn to trust Him and be totally dependent on Him. Does that make, does that make sense? Does anybody get that? I mean... Doesn't matter where you are, what you're going through. I mean, it matters to God, but but He's allowed it. He's permitted it. It's His sovereign will. And wherever we are, all of us are in different spots. Wherever it is, He's allowed it so that we can learn to trust Him. In fact, one of my my wife's favorite sayings that she tells people all the time, she'll be talking to someone, and she tells this all the time. I've heard it hundreds of times. The Lord will say to us when we're in a situation that we didn't design, we wouldn't have orchestrated, and we certainly wouldn't have drawn it up that way. And God will say very quietly and softly, can you trust me now? Can you trust me now? Can you trust me now? And the first time I heard it, the first time, and I told you years and years ago, the first time I heard it was Dr. Gerald Melton. And his, it is one of his daughters had to have a, a, a shunt put in her brain because she had, they, she had water on the brain and they had to drain it. So this was way, way back before procedures were where they are today. And he, I was in his Volkswagen, little Volkswagen bug, on First Baptist Church, the Port parking lot, and he and he said to me, God said, as they were struggling over that surgery for his daughter, can you trust me now? Can you trust me now? So wherever you are, wherever I am, and I'm in my spots, I've got issues, and we all do. And in the quietness of your time with the Lord, listen, because he's going to be saying, can you trust me? I want you to learn to trust me. That's the heart of the Father. Now then, this is kind of a little bit related, but maybe not so much related. But this is a snippet as we get into this. If God treated us the way many Christians treat each other, most of us would be out of here already. Now, I want you to think about that because this is a voice of experience, a voice of experience dealing with multitudes of people, church members. If God treated us the way we have treated each other throughout the years, most of us would be out of here because we are quick, we are quick to cast the first stone. So, it is so exciting, though, to see God lead. I struggled this week. I was not sure. We had 
company in. My daughter and her family came in for Thursday night, and they're uh, headed back today. And so we've had uh, family in, and it's always tricky. I don't, that's not a good word, but just difficult when you have people there, you're visiting, and then to be able to set aside time to prepare. So it's, it's, it is encouraging, though, when God finally gets, gives direction in the midst of when you just feel like, oh, there's no way. And, um, but God made it very clear that we need to examine scriptures and understand the absolute necessity the absolute necessity and the importance of Christians to trust God no matter what, to be totally dependent upon Him no matter what. And so some of the verses that God used to solidify that direction, let me, sh let me show, if you would, turn in your Bibles to, uh, to Hebrews, Hebrews 4. Let me just show you this one real fast, and then we'll look at a couple of others. Hebrews 4, this is how God gives direction sometimes. As you're looking at Scripture, verse 2 of chapter 4 of the book of Hebrews, For unto us was the gospel preached, as well as unto them, but the word preached did not profit them, now look, why did the word not profit them? Not being mixed with faith in them that heard it. So the gospel went out, but the gospel was not mixed by faith. And it didn't, the scripture is very clear, it didn't profit them. So as we listen to the sermons and we listen to the word of God being proclaimed, the word goes out, the gospel goes out, the word of God, but it needs to be mixed with faith. So your part, I'm preaching, your part is to have, mix it with faith. And remember now the famous verse that we've kind of brought up several times, that he did not many miracles among them because of their unbelief. Remember that? He did not many miracles among them because of their unbelief. If we are a group of people that we just hear the word, listen to the word, and we don't mix it with faith, and we don't have the confidence that God's going to do something, I keep hearing about all these people getting saved. And I'm thinking, you know, it's hard to imagine it's like, is God really doing something there in that? And I, I hear about Mateo going all over the world. And, you know, what you're just, I'm just the back of the, is God. so let's don't quench the spirit because of a lack of faith. Let's be grateful and join in. Let's join in. And, and you, we may not be there, you know, in person, but you can be there in prayer and in faith Believing that God wants to save a bunch of people, and he's doing it. So I thought that was an interesting verse. Another one is found, and it's th this one is more common, I think. <clears throat> Excuse me, is uh, Ephesians chapter 6. 
Ephesians chapter 6, 16, above all, taking the shield of faith, wherewith you're able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked. We used that one last week, but Satan shoots the fiery darts, all these thoughts, all these negative, critical thoughts that come our way, they, they, they go for the mind, they go for the mind, and, uh, and we, we are able to take the shield of faith. So the emphasis is trusting God, being able to trust our Father, knowing this is, what, this is why He's allowing us to get in some of the situations we're in. So not to punish us, not to make us you know, miserable, but to help us to come to the place where we have more faith in Him. We can trust Him. Um, James, the book of James, chapter 1. James, chapter 1. Look at verses 2 and uh, following. My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into diverse temptations. Now, is that, is that what we're doing when we're in these classrooms? We're in with these places that are uncomfortable, these places that are challenging. Are we, are we counting it all joy? Knowing, there's a word, knowing. It's not guessing or hoping. It's knowing this. And it's important that we understand knowing. We can know. There's something to know here. Knowing this, that the trying or the testing of your faith worketh Patience, now that moves into character. The testing of your faith produces character. And character that's not been tested, and according to the book of Romans, I believe it's chapter 5, if, if, if character is not tested, what kind of character is it? So what kind of character do you feel like you have if it's not been tested? Knowing this, that the testing or the trying of your faith worketh patience. But let patience have a perfect work, that you may be perfect and entire, wanting nothing. If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God, that giveth to all men liberally, and upbraideth not, and it shall be given him. But let him ask, and would you all say it with me? Let him ask in what? Faith. Let him ask in faith. Let him ask in faith not wavering. You don't ask and then say, well, I don't know if God's going to... Ask in faith. Let him ask in faith, not wavering. For he that wavereth is like a wave of the sea, driven with the wind and tossed. And let not that man think he shall receive anything of the Lord. A double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. That's it's pretty powerful when you think about it. For let not that man think that he shall receive anything. What? Why? Because he's not asking in faith. A double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. So these are some verses that help direct and have helped direct me to what we're looking at today. And it's important that we as believers are learning this is the heart of our Father. 
This is God. This is, this is what he's up to. He is, he is doing something in all of our lives. He's, he's working out something special in all of our lives. And one of the biggest things he's doing is to, to get us. I've seen him do this. He gets us to the end of ourselves where we really don't have any other place to turn but to him. There's no one else. There's no one else available. It's like there's, there's nothing, and you just get to that place, and then you hear that small, still voice. Can you trust me now? I want you to trust me. I want you to trust me. Living that kind of life that's totally dependent on him, living, trusting him, believing him, living by faith. It's an absolute requirement if you're ever going to have peace if we're ever going to have victory, if we're ever going to have any relationships. I think it really connects to any, uh, if we're ever going to uh, see any souls saved in our personal lives, if we're going to face life's trials and challenges, just daily living, even preparing to die in hard times, good times, stressful times, impossible times, fearful times, and yes, even the glorious times. Living a life that we know this, I can trust my father. I can trust him. Folks, we could stop here and have the invitation. That's what I want to get across today. That's what God, I believe, wants us to hear today. We have got to come to the place where we all are saying, Father, I trust you. Listen, I've I'm dealing with that. This is the church, our church. We need to come to that place. All of us in unison, not lack of faith, not, you know, not doubting. We need to have faith. God is at work. God's accomplishing something. God's doing a, a wonderful thing in our lives. Don't doubt him. I just, Keith Daniel, don't doubt it. Don't doubt it. Don't doubt it. Can't you just hear him? He's such a quiet man, such a gentle man. He and I share birthday months. Same, his birthday was in September. He was just, we were very close to the same age. Faith is so much more than, you know, just... God's going to provide our food and clothes and our transportation and our housing. It's, more, it's so much more than that. I mean, I get to the place in my life where I just think, Lord, here we are at this stage. Here we are at this place. I thought I'd, I thought I'd already gone through this. I thought early on when we were at Peoria, and we were living on $100 a month. And then we went to, uh, I mean, Riesel, Riesel, then Peoria. And um, I thought all those lessons. And now here we are at this point in our life. And we are still, he's still taking us into a place where we're having to go over these same lessons all over again. With finances with our health, with the aging process, 
I mean, the whole thing. I mean, you know, y'all, some of you younger people, you can't imagine what it's like. You know, people say, well, you know, just think, you know, well, in our situation, they'll say, boy, I can't wait to see what that buck's going to look like in four years. And it all, automatically, I say, okay, 75 plus four, uh, I'll be 79. You know, I... I mean, I don't want to, I don't want to, <laughs> I don't want to say, you know, it's like hopeless, but I mean, you do start and you've all heard the saying, you know, your, your parents and uh, grandparents all say, this is the last washing machine I'll ever buy. Y'all all heard that, haven't you? This is the last of this we'll ever buy. Well, we're living that. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's really real. You know, you buy something, you say, that's the last one of those I'll ever buy. So, the, but it's exciting. It's an exciting way to live because God is, it's like fresh. It's like God leads us and you get to the place. But here's the benefit. Let me just give you a benefit of a lifetime of having to trust him. Okay, let me encourage you. Some of you younger ones, the younger people, younger couples, it really wouldn't hurt to, to journal a few things along the way. So you can remember like how God provided certain things throughout your life. I think it would be encouraging you to look back and say, I remember that. Boy, we were, uh, we were up against it. We were up against it and I didn't know how we were going to get through that one, but God led through it. So you document it. You look and you say, wow, God did it there. So as you have a lifetime of God working out details of impossible situations, impossible seeming situations, and you see how he's very, in the right sense, cleverly, sovereignly, worked out things in your life so it it you get to the other side you say I just that that was a miracle that was a modern day miracle when you have a whole series of those in life I could just tell you it doesn't get as scary toward the end does that make sense it doesn't get it's not as scary toward the end because you say, why would he all of a sudden, I've seen this, 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 and this, and this, all this time, and then here we are facing it again, something very similar, but maybe different circumstances, and why would I doubt him now? Why would I be in a place now to say, oh, well, I mean, this is just, God's just not going to do anything in this. That's not faith. That's not trusting him. But I would encourage you to document, journal, write down some things, have a notebook. I, I had one for years. I had teardrops stained, teardrops in the ink from crying. I literally would cry over stuff that were impossible Church situations, impossible. We were like going to be tarred and feathered at one church. You know, I'm just crying out to God, God, what am I going to do? These people hate me. You know, they, they stole all my white leggings. They shot my dog. I mean, they, they 
They've started designating their tithe to the electric bill. I'm telling you, I mean, it's like they hate me. What am I going to do, God? And to see, and then have the little old lady, I walked her out to her car. She was a little old frail, little old gray head lady. She said, how long you been here, sonny? And I said, told her how long. She said, all I can say, it's going to be a rough, rocky road for you. That's what she told me. And boy, that built confidence. I mean, man, that was so encouraging. I thought, well, thank you for those words of wisdom. So, are we, are we making progress? I'm, I'm determined not to just blow through this, okay? I'm determined not to just blow through this and say, okay, now what's the subject for next week? I want us to get something out of this. I want us to be able to uh, understand that the circumstances that God has allowed in our lives are intended to get us to a place where we can just totally. It doesn't mean that our humanity disappears, okay? It doesn't mean our humanity disappears. I still have a nervous stomach. For, oh, by the way, I have a real nervous stomach for tomorrow. Let me just kind of sidestep. It doesn't have anything to do with the message. But um, I started physical therapy last week. So they gave me the exercises to do and a band. And then I had to order a pulley to go on the door. And you've got to do, you know, certain things. So, so Linda... You know, every day ask me, have you done your exercises? Well, no, I haven't had time. Uh, well, have you had, have you done your exercises? No, I, I've been busy. I just haven't had time. So tomorrow I have to go. And the therapist is going to say, well, how many days did you do your exercises? And so far it's, it's zero. I did some, I did some yesterday evening because I was feeling the pressure like I know I'm going tomorrow. And so I did some without the band. I did, I did some movement, you know, and without the band. And so I can say, I've, well, I've done two exercises out of, you know, 400. But, uh, but anyway, so y'all pray for me because it's at 1 o'clock tomorrow. And I, I feel like when I used to, when they call me to the principal's office. I mean, that honestly, I, I used to go quite often, by the way. Uh, and I, and I got... I got several swats. I mean, they broke several of the paddles on me. And, uh, and uh, they'd call, you know, a lot, a lot of times be loudspeaker, Roddy Hovey, report to the principal's office. And so, uh, so it's that same feeling that I had then that I'm kind of getting it now, a little bit thinking about going and having to face them tomorrow. And they're asking me how many. <clears throat> but it didn't, it wasn't enough to motivate me <clears throat> to do anything <clears throat> about it. So anyway, of course, my family, now they've been on top of it and they're saying, well, isn't this to avoid surgery? And I said, yeah, that's the intention. And they said, well, I just can't imagine if this would help you avoid surgery, why you wouldn't be doing this. So anyway, so I'm getting it from all angles. But anyway, uh, so little personal thing there. Just isn't that nice to just be able to throw out a little part. In seminary, they would just die. If they were critiquing you, they would say, fail, fail, fail. You know, it's just, that's just, but so are we on the same page? Do we understand that our circumstances that all of us are in and each one, we're in different ones. 
but they're intended, they're intended to get us to the place where we, and it builds. I really believe it builds over time. You, you watch God do it here. You watch God do it here. You watch God do it here. And you say, man, I shouldn't be as afraid now, okay? All right, so we're looking at the heart of our Father and joining and connecting the idea of trusting Him. I think the first place I would like to go from there, that idea of the circumstances and the classroom kind of thing, is that by faith, we need to believe that God really does love us. And I, we can say it all day long. God loves us. I've loved, I love to hear Billy Graham. I've heard him preach so many times. And he'll say, God loves you. God loves you. Well, that's not the best. But, but he... But I mean, to hear him say it, it's like, and so we can say it over and over and over, but I don't think on this side of heaven, I really don't believe any of us can really fully comprehend the depth of God's love for us. I don't think we can, I don't think we can get it because we've got too much humanity. To, we're toting around too much humanity. And our love, I think, is so... changeable and it I think a lot of our love is just for each other is determined by performance I mean if we do something for somebody and we serve 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 guess what they're going to tell you how much they love you but if you say I, I, I'm not serving I'm not doing anything for you but I sure pray for you I mean I you see, I, I, just, I just wonder how much we really can understand the depth of our Father's love. In 1 John 4.16, and we know, we have known and believed the love that God hath to us. God is love, and that he that dwelleth in love dwelleth in God, and God in him. One of the greatest things we can know about our Father one of the, I think one of the greatest things we can know about our Heavenly Father is the fact that He is, His character is love. He, God is love. And I don't think any of us have really scratched the surface on agape love. I don't think we've scratched the surface on on how to love, really, each other. Now, I want to take you back to 1 Corinthians 13. I've done series, I've done several series on these, breaking down every word. I just want to read it to you today. But we've done, we've had several series that lasted more than two or three sessions. But I want to read this to you once again, because it gives us a glimpse of the character of God, our Father. Though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels and have not charity or have not love, I am become as a sounding brass and a tinkling cymbal. And though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries. Now listen, folks, I just have to tell you, I want people to listen to this because I've, I've seen this. 
There are people that can run circles around most of us with the, their biblical intellect. They can run circles around us. They can embarrass us with their biblical intellect. But if you don't have God's love in there, then look at what it says. Although I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and though I have all faith so that I could remove mountains and have not love or charity, I am nothing. I am nothing. You're nothing if you don't have love, that kind of love for each other. Now, I'm going to tell you, you say, how to grow a church. And they've got classes. They've got, they've got all kind of programs. You know, you can go sign up. How to grow a church. I'm going to tell you scripturally how to grow a church. Love each other and you'll be like honey to a bee. Let lost people see a church loving each other. But when you have splits, when you have people going off and doing their own thing and talking bad about the other person, lost people pick up on that. Lost people hear that. They're rubbing shoulders with all that. And why, why would they want to come join and be a part of something like that? They could do better at the Kiwanis Club. I'm going to tell you how to grow a church. Love each other. Love each other. All works. Listen to this. And though I bestow all my goods and feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned and have not love, it profits me nothing. It profits me nothing. I am nothing and it profits me nothing. You can have all of this stuff, this outward stuff, and without God's love flowing in and through your life, it's not going to work. It, you are nothing and it profits you nothing. Charity suffers long and is kind. Charity envieth not. Charity vaunteth not itself, is not puffed up, doth not behave itself unseemly, seeketh not her own, is, and listen, not easily provoked. Not easily provoked. Some people say, well, I've just got a short fuse. Not easily provoked. Doth not behave itself, or is not puffed up, or doesn't vaunt itself. Let me see, where am I? Charity suffereth long and is kind. Charity envieth not. Charity vaunteth not itself, is not puffed up. Doth not behave itself unseemly. Seeketh not her own. Is it not easily provoked? Thinketh no evil. There you go back to the stinking thinking. Rejoiceth not in iniquity, but rejoiceth in the truth. See, when someone starts to badmouth another believer, if you listen and you participate in that conversation, you're rejoicing in evil. 
and you're not, you're not rejoicing in truth. And our minds are to be on truth, things that are right, things that are of a good report. Verse 7, beareth all things, believeth all things, hopeth all things, endureth all things. Charity never faileth, but where there is, are, be prophecies, they shall fail. Whether they be tongues, they shall cease. Whether it be knowledge, it shall vanish away. For we know in part, and we prophesy in part, but when that which is perfect is come, then that which is in part shall be done away. When I was a child, I spake as a child. I understood as a child. I thought as a child. But when I became a man, I put away childish things. For now we see through a glass darkly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, but then shall I know even as also I am known. And now abideth faith, hope, charity, these three. But the greatest of these is charity. The greatest of these is love. It suffers long. It's not jealous. On and on and on, the character qualities of God's love and who he is. You just study that and you're going you're gonna to learn. You're going to have some insights into the character of God. Who our father is, what he's like. And I'm going to tell you, I believe this with all my heart because I know myself. <clears throat> I believe this with all my heart. If God was not a patient God, I would not be standing here before you today. If he, you one of the things in his love, he's long-suffering. He's patient. He's, he's so patient. And I, and I get impatient. I'm thinking, look at all this sin. You know, you profit-motivated type individual. You know, look at all this sin. God, why don't you do something? Zap them. Blow them away. Burn them up. You know, you're sitting there. And, and, and God says, but I've been patient with you. I've been patient with you. Look how many times you've had to come back for the same offense. Look how many times you've come back for the same offense. Many times. Is any of this making sense? I mean, I'm kind of looking out here and I'm hoping I'm seeing something. And I, I mean, you know, I had someone the other day said, uh, I was having a conversation with a person out of state about churches and stuff. And he said, he, and, I, and I really appreciate it. And in fact, I enjoyed it. It was an hour and 18-minute conversation, in a 18, hour and 18 minutes, and I, I really enjoyed it. But he said he was visiting this one church, and this preacher, he said this preacher, you know, would tell the congregation, amen, amen, and they would, they would say back, amen. I said, oh, I've done that. <laughs> and he called, it, he called it fishing for an amen. <laughs> fishing for an amen. He said, I don't like it. I said, oh, brother, well, the next time you come and visit, I won't do that. But, um, <laughs> but I don't like it. He said, just preach the truth with confidence and, and compassion and let the Holy Spirit do the rest. And I'm saying, well, that sounds very good. I'll try that. That <laughs> was good. You know, glad to see you're awake, Bill. <laughs> I mean, it's always good to know that that the the faithful are are with you, you know. 
<laughs> we love each other so much. I mean, we really do. It's just amazing. He was showing me some personal pictures last week of a truck he was had given to him. So we go way back into. So, all right. So are we, and again, I said I wasn't going to try to rush through this. So are we understanding <clears throat> that it takes, it takes an understanding of my father because we all get into circumstances are challenging and difficult. And I've not publicly shared all of mine. Some of you individually have heard, but I'm going to tell you. Uh, some of the things we faced in the last five years in our lives, you just think, Lord, why? Why? Why is this happening? And, um, <clears throat> and you know, it just God drives you back to the truth. He drives you back to the, what, you've, what he's taught you. Can you trust me now? Can you trust me now? Now, here it is. Everything, basically, you know, all your security is all stripped away. Can you trust me now? Well, yes, Lord, we've trusted you all this way. We've seen you provide and work miracles all along. I'm not doubting you, but it's just, you just almost wonder, you know, why does it keep these things keep happening? But it, I'm confident it, he's conforming us. See, nobody wants to talk about how painful conforming to the image of Christ is. Nobody likes to talk about the pain of that. You know, we can spit it out and say, oh, yeah, we're all being conformed to the image of Christ. No, to be conformed to the image of Christ. Let me show you something real quickly. Go back to Philippians. Let me just show you something. And this was another verse. These verses here really kind of directed me this week. Let's look at chapter 3, Philippians chapter 3. But what things were gained to me, verse 7, but what things were gained to me, those I counted lost for Christ. Yea, doubtless, and I count all things but loss. Now I want you to notice here the wording. I count all things but loss for the excellency of the knowledge. This is not just head knowledge. This is not just information. This is different. This is knowing him in an intimate, personal way. The excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things and do count them but dung that I may win Christ <clears throat> and be found in him, not having mine own righteousness. See, this is, this is the Apostle Paul saying all the things that I've hung on to, all the things that I've listed as grand and glorious in my life, all the fact that he kept the law before salvation, all of that, it's all loss except for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ. And I've suffered all things as loss and do count them but dung. And then that I may win Christ, verse 9, and be found in him, not having mine own righteousness, which is of the law, but that which is through the faith of Christ, the righteousness which is of God by faith. Then verse 10, you need to, if you, if you write in your Bible, highlight in your Bible, you really need to have this verse, that I may know him. That's what we're talking about. 
we're knowing him. I mean, God, the father, the son, uh, you, we're no, that I may know him. Now, I want you to look that I may know him, not just head knowledge, just, not just information, but you may know him in a very personal, intimate way. That I may know him and the power and the power. See, a lot of Christians are going through the Christian life with a lot of information, but there's no power. There's no power that I may know him and the power of his resurrection. And, the, and look now, as this goes along, and the fellowship of his suffering. Being made conformable unto his death. And the fellowship of his suffering. Don't let anybody tell you being conformed to Christ is just easy peasy. Being conformed to Christ can be very, very painful. Because he's, he's chipping away at our unchrist likeness. He's chipping away at our old man. He's chipping away at our humanity. That I may know him. This is the Apostle Paul. That I may know him. And the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings. Joining in and understanding the fellowship of his sufferings. Being made conformable unto his death. And, and if by any means I might attain unto the resurrection of the dead. Not as though I had already attained, either were already perfect, but I follow after if that I may apprehend that for which also I am apprehended of Christ Jesus. Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth unto those things which are before. I press, look at these words, I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. That I may know him. That I may know him. Church, today, I want us to conclude and have an invitation. And I hope all of us will fall, I mean, in your chair where you are, fall on your face. You don't have to even get up or get to the floor, whatever, how the Lord leads. But in your heart of hearts, Fall on your face to him and say, Lord, I want to know you more than I ever have. Today, I want to know you more. And the circumstances you've permitted, the circumstances you've allowed, the things that have come into my life that I know that you've allowed, it's, it's because you love me. And we'll get into some of that next week, okay? Some of it next week about how he how he orchestrates the circumstances all motivated out of his love for us. Because he loves us. He just loves us that much. We're going to have an invitation. And I hope that we'll all respond. I hope that we will say yes to him as he tugs in our heart and says, you know, um, I don't know that I really have your whole heart. I don't know that your longing is really to know me that well, but I've orchestrated some things to come in your life, allowed some things, sovereignly let some things come 
so that you could get to know me better and you could trust me. You get to the end. We get to the end of ourselves. We get to the end where it's just almost like a modern day miracle if we, if we survive this. And I'm telling you, my father, as I, and I tell people a lot of times, they'll say, they'll give me a certain thought or an idea. I say, that's not the heart of my father. I just tell them, that's not the heart of my father. I know the heart of my father. But I'm going to tell you, he wants, he wants us to be at a place as a church. He wants this church to be at a place where we trust him completely no matter what. And I hope that we will. I hope we can stand shoulder to shoulder today and say, Lord, we trust you. We don't understand it all. We don't get it all. And maybe in heaven we'll have it all explained. But today, we trust you. So let's pray. Father in heaven, we want to thank you for the word. Thank you for the reminder that you are trying to build our confidence in you. And you want us to trust you. You want us. You, you're wanting your children to trust their father. Completely, 100%, no matter where we are, what we're doing, what we're facing, you want us to trust you. That's why you're allowing some things to come our way. And you're wanting to show us your love, your patience, your long-suffering. The love that endures forever. The love that is unconditional. The love that is so very patient with us. And Lord, we are, we are, we know, we know you have been patient, more than patient with us. But I thank you for this church. Thank you for these people, for these families. I pray that today the message would ring true in our hearts, that we would respond and say, yes, Lord, that's what I want. I want to know you better. I want to be conformed to the, your suffering. A fellowship of your suffering. So, Father, thank you for your love and mercy. Pray for those that might be lost that hear the message that the only way to be saved is through faith in Christ. That's it. You can't join enough churches. You can't be baptized enough. You can't do enough good works, volunteer at the Red Cross. You can't do, you can't do the serving lines at the missions. You can't do enough to earn salvation. It's all been bought and paid for by the Lord Jesus Christ on the cross. And I pray that many would hear, many would receive, and many would respond to Jesus and be born again. Thank you for your love and your mercy and your goodness. And we'll be careful to praise you throughout eternity. We look forward to... Uh, what you're going to show us the rest of this time in this in this mini series in Jesus name. Amen.